Hey, it's Dr. Whitney. I'm an author, a coach, and a mama to two growing girls. Yep, I do it all. Well, actually, that's not true. I used to do it all. Now, I only really do the things that matter most to me. If that feels too good to be true, it's not. Here's the thing. Before I became a mom, I was totally thrilled with the idea of doing everything and being everything to everyone. I was told that if I just kept swimming, everything would work out fine. But I was dead wrong. Hustle culture, perfectionism, and the endless hamster wheel of work mom life weighed me down. That feeling of never giving enough but having absolutely no more to give brought me to my knees. My first daughter, who was diagnosed with autism this year, was an endless well of needs. My relationship with my husband was full of more resentment than love. Our second daughter felt left in the dust and told me one day she thought I didn't love her. But I couldn't get off the roller coaster of my working mom life. I was heartbroken, but I was also exhausted and hardly ever the joyful present mom or career woman I always thought I'd be. Making time for activities that fed my soul on a regular basis? <laughs> what time for that? And as a result, I wasn't as effective at my job. I didn't show up as my best self at the office. My performance suffered at home and at work. Do you identify with that? To feeling completely overwhelmed and overworked? To drowning in mental clutter and a sea of stress? To wishing you had more to give at the office and at home? That was me burnt out and ready to call it quits until I decided I couldn't juggle that demand, those heavy burdens of life, of motherhood in the workplace without a sustainable system I could use to get off and stay off the hamster wheel. So I created a framework that worked for me, but also for all the other caregivers I connect with in my clinic and online. And now I coach career-focused caregivers to organize their stress and clear their mental clutter so they can live purposeful, aligned lives. I help overwhelmed moms get off the work-life home hamster wheel so they can be the parents, partners, people, and professionals they always dreamed they'd be. Are you ready to live a more joyful, productive, and mentally uncluttered life? To give more without draining yourself? To spend your time, energy, and focus on what matters most to you so you can thrive and everyone around you can too? Then go to modernmommydoc.com and click on coaching so you can be part of the momversation. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full time pediatrician and a full time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Kat Kayeni, and we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics to talk about and one of my least favorite things to go through, which is peripartum mental health and specifically postpartum depression and anxiety and just how to be our our better selves and to be okay with ourselves in that perinatal period. So, Dr. Kayani, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and I'm really grateful that you're open and wanting and willing to not only talk about this, but share this with your listeners because I have found in my work that oftentimes this is one of those things in terms of perinatal mental health that people find out about it when they're going through it. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a surprise and no fun to feel like there's something wrong with you. So I'm I'm glad you're sharing this so that we can help people understand what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of those things where people talk about how you might get the baby blues or you might feel a little sad, but I, I think still in our society, or at least for me, I guess I should speak from my own self, that it feels like it felt like if I was to go through this, it was because I was somehow like weak. It was because I wasn't doing enough. It was because there was something like inherently wrong with me that if I just pulled myself up by my bootstraps a little bit more that I Mm -hmm. should be able to handle that perinatal period better. And I just couldn't. So yeah, tell us about your background and Mm -hmm. why you got into this and why you're passionate about it. Absolutely. It's, it is one of my, also similar to you, one of my favorite things to talk about and one of my least favorite things to go through. I love how you said that. So I entered into this specialty by way of experience, by way of going through it myself. So I was already a psychologist working in a major medical system well underway. And I had a planned pregnancy with my first and, you know, there was some some bumps along the pregnancy route. But looking back now, I can see that my anxiety started during pregnancy, worrying about things that that felt really, really big to me. And then right after the very long labor and birth of my daughter, I know that the the anxiety really started big at that point. She had uh, aspirated a little bit of meconium and there was some green stuff coming out, coughing up. It wasn't, it was now what I know, it was a tiny amount, but it was still enough to send me through the roof. Mm-hmm. And that's when the hypervigilance began of just constant worry and watching and making sure all of the things she was breathing, she was okay, she, all everything. And at that point, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about perinatal mental health. I wasn't taught in grad school or internships or residency, nothing. It was a mention. Like this thing happens, but nobody really, really talked about it or taught about it. So long story short, I, for a couple of weeks, felt really anxious. And then anxiety turned also into depression. And I had both, which over time also turned into OCD. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was a very specific experience intrusive thoughts come with that. And I can explain what that is to your listeners. Intrusive thoughts are thoughts that kind of pop into your head seemingly out of nowhere or in relation to like something that's going on right there in front of you. And they're often really upsetting thoughts or sometimes even disturbing thoughts. A common one is like, what if I drop the baby? That kind of stuff. But it can 
get really intense also and, and go into any number of other kind of what ifs. I was experiencing that and then doing everything I could to not have those what ifs happen. So mm-hmm. I felt very much like, how can I say, I, I was just a, a prisoner of sorts to what was going on internally. And so this went on for a year. And before I really knew what was going on. I mean, I knew something was off, but there was also that part of me that was like, well, I'm a psychologist. I should, I should be able to get out of this. And I, you know, I help other people and, and all of those things that we say to ourselves as professionals who help others, but are going through this. So I figured out what was going on. I came to terms with what was going on, I should say. And I started realizing how much I didn't know how much I had been going through and suffering and nobody knew. It was total silent suffering. I put on my best face, but inside I was just a puddle. So after I figured out what was going on, I started learning more. I got training and I got I got really angry, honestly, that I hadn't been taught. I didn't know about it. And then I realized how many other people don't know what's going on. And since that time, 12 years ago, I've had this passion for making sure that everybody knows so that they don't have to suffer. So yeah, that's when my specialty started. I I love it. And I know that you're doing so much work for these moms that feel so much shame, who feel mm-hmm. so alone, who, oh, yeah. like you said, feel like I should be able to do it on my own especially if they're like professional businesswomen or if they're healthcare providers like you and me. I'm mm. interested to know, like, what was that turning point? Because you said that there mm. was a moment where you kind of came to grips with it or you accepted mm-hmm. what was happening. Mm-hmm. But tell me more about that. I'm interested in that. For sure. I think a lot of For people sure. will like want to be able to be like, how do I get there? You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, how can I describe it? It was, it was almost like there was some part of me that always knew that something wasn't quite right. There was also another part of me that that didn't want anything to be wrong. And and I struggled with that for a long time. It started to really impact my functioning more and more where I was having a hard time focusing. My attention span, my memory was was impacted. I didn't feel like doing anything. It was it got to a point where my anxiety was also so high that it was preventing me from doing stuff that it would sort of quote unquote being a normal thing to do, like walking my daughter through the park in the stroller all yeah. became scary. So there there was a a point, as I said, I was, you know, I was still helping people while going through this. And I every day as part of like an intake process for meeting somebody new, we would give an assessment, a depression questionnaire called the PHQ9. It has 10, nine, 10 questions on it that assesses for depression. And I I just saw it and I had this moment where I was like, I have to take this and be honest with myself. And Mm -hmm. so I did. Even though I know all of the questions, like the back of my hand, I had to really go through each one and think how much am I really being impacted by this? And lo and behold, I I was pretty depressed. So it was that seeing it objectively really does something. Even though it's just a screen and a measure and it doesn't account for everything, it was just so plain in front of me to say, okay, this is, this is depression. And then when I started reading about postpartum depression in a, in a book, I read about OCD and intrusive thoughts. And I, it was just like, I then was like an external puddle. I was just crying because it was so 
validating to see, oh my gosh, that those thoughts that I've been so ashamed about and those feelings that felt like I could never tell anybody about, it's it's a thing. It's in this book. Like these people don't know me, but it's mm-hmm. written down right here. So it, it it it's not just me. And and those two things, having the the objective kind of truth uh, about symptoms and seeing that it wasn't just me changed everything. Yeah. I wonder too, for you, I I know I felt this way. Did you, while you were treating those patients feel like in some ways, like I'm a fraud, like here I am trying to help these people. And then I feel like Mm -hmm. crap, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. What do I have to give to these people? Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. But, but also what I do know about the helping professions is that if, after you've been trained for a certain number of years, it's like, you can almost put that on hold for a second and be there and be present and do your job and do a good job still. And then as soon as somebody would leave my office, I would just melt right back down again. I would cry. I would like all of the things. And then pull it together and be there for the next person. And that's his own draining process. It's, it really wears on you over time. Yeah. But because of like the, the training and the professional nature of things, we do that. Yeah. We just we do, do that all the time. I mean, that's what I do too. There yeah. were so many times with my daughter's autism diagnosis that people would be in my office and this still happens sometimes mm-hmm. be in my office and they're telling me about their like perfectly typical kid or like mm-hmm. this tiny little infringement that happened or tiny mm-hmm. little blow up that happened. And like in my head, I'm able to like still give them good advice and be with right. them. And then they leave and I'm like, uh, you like suckers. I'm here in the trenches. <laughs> like, here you are. like nobody cares. You know what I mean? And also like, right. like, wow, I guess I was pretty fake. But the reality is it's because that's the medical, that's medical training. It teaches you to like kind of sure. turn yourself off for a mm-hmm. minute. And I also think there's probably so many moms who do that. Maybe not on that same scale if they're not health professionals, but they do that with their kids or oh, like, yeah they're able to kind of like keep it together with their kids, keep mm-hmm. a face or like in mm-hmm. the middle of the week when they're trying to like do their jobs, get the lunches mm-hmm. made, put everybody to yep. sleep. And then it's in the mm-hmm. down times yep. that then they feel emotionally like they fall apart. Mm-hmm. I am guessing that many of you are able to resonate with that, that it's like on vacation when things mm-hmm. aren't as structured, when it's on mm-hmm. the weekend, when it's at yep. night and like you're mm-hmm. you know left to your own devices or yep. you're trying to fall asleep, that that's when things really creep in about sure. like your feelings about, about who you are, or am I the person that everybody thinks that I am on the outside? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you realize that you had depression. Mm-hmm. You started mm-hmm. to come to grips with the fact that like, yes, I do have anxiety. And then I'm assuming you got treatment or you got help. What did that look like for you? And are there any pearls out of that journey for you that you can share with other moms of like, do this, don't do that. Or I Mm -hmm. wish I'd done this. Mm -hmm. So I did go back to therapy with a therapist that I had already been established with. And well, this is once I kind of realized, and I told her, I think I'm depressed. And she told me you're not depressed. And I was like, okay, I'm shutting down now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I just, I didn't go back. I couldn't say anything about it. I was just sort of like, I don't know, shocked or, or, or right. whatnot. And this, this was somebody I'd been working with for a while. So I didn't go to therapy after that. I kind of withdrew. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because when you're in 
in kind of a more, I guess, vulnerable mental state and somebody doesn't see you, it yeah. is really hard to open back up it, because it, it can either feel like embarrassment or shame or any number of those yucky feelings. So I did, I didn't go back and I, I was in this weird crossroads because of my profession. I was like, but this is something I want to specialize in. So I can't go see somebody who specializes in it because they're going to be my colleagues. And it was just this weird, like very specific to this specialty thing that I, that it was, of course I could have gone to see somebody. Of course, the, and they right. would have understood. But th- that's what the kind of trap of depression and anxiety can do is, may, is limit your choices, limit what you think is available to you. So I, I went, I started doing other things. I went to a naturopathic doctor. I did acupuncture. I also found out my thyroid was a little off. So I had some supplements and I kind of just winged it. I was like, okay, well, I know a certain set of skills. <laughs> Can I use them for myself? Which was partly helpful. But in the training itself, and in, in going to seek specialized training in this, there there was so much validation in just seeing that what I was going through was a thing and yes. and how it impacted me that part of that was healing. Just the just the validation of it. But yeah, I limped along for a little bit before I started to feel really a lot better. So I wish I would have gone to therapy. I honestly think I should have considered an antidepressant because of the the extent of my symptoms and how much it started to impact just my my internal experience and, and world. Probably should have started on one at that point. I mean, knowing what I know now, that's what I would have done differently. And then I wouldn't have suffered as long. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I think there's a lot of women that have that experience. They're like, well, maybe mm-hmm. you're just tired or well, yeah. maybe yeah, you're yeah. just doing too much. It's like, well, no, or maybe I am have clinical depression. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. DSM, diagnosable <laughs> OCD, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think there is that superhero complex too, where other people see you that way also as a healthcare professional, mm-hmm. where they're like, mm-hmm. well, no, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that. You can pull yourself up. Come on. Now, what would you recommend for people? Like if people are, they're at that point where you were, where like finally someone gives them like an Edinburgh to fill, to fill mm-hmm. out, you know, mm-hmm. like, which is a, a survey that's specific for postpartum depression that in our pediatrician office, we fill out and OB offices, right. they fill out. That's so good. What would you, what would you suggest that people do as a first step? Or what are some things that they can say to get the help that they actually need early on? Ideally, I I think if you already know that you have had, you have a history of any kind of mental health concerns, it is worthwhile to go start with therapy with a specialist Mm -hmm. because uh, one of the risk factors of having anxiety or depression or any of the other things that can happen is a a previous history of your own or Mm -hmm. even a family history of anxiety, depression. So yes, it's not all in your head. It's some of it's genetics, some of it's life experience. I wish that everybody, you know, while they're pregnant could find somebody that they can talk to who's a specialist in perinatal mental health. I believe personally, it's really important to find a specialist. And there are quite a few of us now just to have a place to start to track how you're feeling and for things to get noticed so to speak, before they get worse or, and all of it, to have a plan for how to get support during pregnancy 
what kind of support you might need during birth, what kind of support and plan you can have for postpartum. And postpartum planning is a big part of what I suggest to, that can include like, how are you going to get fed? How are you going to sleep? Who's coming over to help you or clean the house or whatever it is, the Mm -hmm. things you need help with so that you can recover so that you can rest and build strength back and, and deal with this massive life transition that nobody really tells you how big it's going to be. You need time and space to figure that out so that you can have the support that you need and find ways to cope and manage. And, And a specialized therapist can help with that. And there are other other professionals, birthing-related professionals, that can help with that as well. But I, I just think being proactive is the way to go. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered, we want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned as you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the App Store. Let me play devil's advocate because I know there's going to be people who are like, well, I can't afford that. Good for mm-hmm. you. All you rich people who can go to therapy <laughs> and spend all the money. Okay. So here's the deal. This period of time is a time when sure, there are some people that can't like afford a lick and like they're getting like all hand-me-downs or whatever. But most of the moms that I see in my clinic are like buying a crib. They're buying a fancy stroller. They're mm-hmm. buying like new clothes for the baby. Mm-hmm. They're buying all this stuff. Like, please, yes, health insurance a lot of times will not cover fully an amazing therapist. Sometimes they will. A lot of times they won't. Mm -hmm. And my hope and dream as a public health professional (laughs) is that one day we will see prevention in terms of mental health the same way we do as Mm -hmm. like a well child check, the same way we do as a a preventative cleaning every six months with your dentist and that we will all just go to mental health professionals like at least four times a year and we will have our checkup and we will like (laughs) check in with somebody and we'll talk with them. And that during the perinatal period, all of us will have like every one month we go and we see our person and we talk through everything. And that's just part of life. But until that happens, Mm -hmm. you got to prioritize like Mm -hmm. taking care of you and knowing that your fancy crib is not going to hold you when you're crying you know, Mm -hmm. big tears that like the stroller doesn't make a difference that sleep (laughs) Mm -hmm. movement and therapy and talking with someone on an individual level about what are the things that you need to work through as you make this momentous transition are where if you're deciding where to place your time and resources, Mm -hmm. that's where the money's at or in those things. 
Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And, and and thankfully, within the the therapy world of perinatal mental health, there are a lot of people who really do, a therapist, I should say, who understand how necessary it is for people to use their insurance. So many of us do take at least one insurance or some. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't, if you have a PPO, you can, you know, get some reimbursement there. But there are other places to get help, and I'm, I'm happy to give you some of those mm-hmm. resources either now or later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So Postpartum Support International is an amazing organization. They're, they have a therapist directory that has therapists who are specialists in this field all over the country, and they also offer so many online support groups that are totally free. There's also a peer support program where you can apply to be connected with somebody who's going through a similar experience to you, and they will be your one-on-one. And there's there's a plethora of other resources available so that people, even if you don't have the funds to cover therapy, can get some kind of support. It's all online. And even for people who are like, oh, I don't know about groups, it's worthwhile just to even check it out once. You don't even have to turn on your camera. You don't even have to say anything. I mean, it's encouraged, but honestly, just to go in and realize that somebody else is having your same experience, or it could be different, but you resonate with it, or it could be you know, quote unquote, better than yours or worse than yours or whatever. But there's, there's such a range of experience that people have. You won't, you will never go into a group in one of those groups anyways, and feel like a total outlier. There will always be something that you can resonate with because the, the truth is that, that we are, are, a lot of us anyways, have suffered. And unfortunately there are many different ways that can look during this time outside of depression and anxiety. So there are other specialty support groups as well. One word that you mentioned early on in this discussion is the word anger. And I want to come Mm -hmm. back to that because Mm -hmm. Kristen Neff in her work on self-compassion talks about Mm -hmm. this like fierce self-compassion or like righteous Mm -hmm. self-compassion. And I think that sometimes that's less accessible to us as Mm -hmm. moms or as women, that like we feel kind of guilty. Like if we feel angry or that doesn't feel like a good girl kind of thing to do, you know, to be angry or be loud. Mm -hmm. But I have found that anger is incredibly motivating to change, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to instigate. <laughs> and that the more kind of similar to, we did an episode on body image that people really mm-hmm. resonated with. That was about mm-hmm. like, what the heck? Like mm-hmm. I have to look a certain way because there's been like generations of like right. men that have decided that this is the way <laughs> that women should look. Like I'm so yeah. angry about that. Mm-hmm. Like, right. no, I'm not doing that, you know? And, same, I think, in terms of this. Like, mm-hmm. you're not hysterical. You're no. not a hot mess. You're no. not like falling apart. I mean, you may be yep. in that moment, but like, you as a person are whole and enough, and you deserve to have mm-hmm. a perinatal experience that's as good and full of ease and full of joy as possible. And mm-hmm. the reason we don't have that in large measure mm-hmm. is because we don't have the paid parental leave that we need in oh my gosh, yes. America. Yep. It's because there's not equity in our homes in mm-hmm. America. It's because we live in isolation from oh, yeah. our family members and because we don't have the healthcare insurance coverage we need to have in-home lactation and to it's have 100%. like as many, you know, obese supports. So like get 
mad. I, I, I really <laughs> think that that should be such a movement for us to be like, no, 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 I deserve this. I deserve to be well taken care of in this moment where I am so mentally and physically fragile. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, <laughs> there's so much in there and um, several soapbox issues that I have with, with the systems and the history and the misogyny and the, oh, well, there's just so many things. Just th- And the history of how women have been treated in particular during mm-hmm. this period of time. The, the history is so deep. Unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, in many ways, not in a non-supportive way for women. And it's still showing up. It just does. So, right. I, I totally agree that if you can access that part of you that's like, no, I deserve to be seen, literally seen as what I'm going through, but also to see a provider, to, to see, to feel better, to get to a place where I can have the help that I deserve. Yeah. Th- there's, there's so much in there. So many things that systemically we could change to help women. And also while, while that's being worked on, it's unfortunately kind of in our hands. Mm-hmm. The systems not, are not taking care of us in the best way yet. So mm-hmm. exactly asking questions to providers, finding where you can get the help that you need. And, and it can be really hard, but yeah, definitely encouraged. The other question that I get asked a lot when news outlets or press opportunities come my way about perinatal health, they're asking a lot about like, how long does this last? Kind of how long can we pin it on what's happened in the perinatal period? And my answer is always like, for a long time. And also then it morphs into a lot of times like lifelong anxiety if it's not health. What's your answer to that? Yeah, absolutely. So sort of within the profession, so to speak, we we look at a couple of different parameters, but we consider in some ways, you know, people will say postpartum is forever and it, and it sort of is. But in terms of like when perinatal mental health conditions are most likely to show up, it's within the first year after birth. So, and that's quite some time. And there are several reasons why. That might be the case. Some of it are contextual reasons like stress within within the uh, life, but it can also be like really crucial hormonal change points, like when you restart your period or if you stop nursing, mm-hmm. like those types of things come with physiological reasons that you, you might dip into to something or other. But to your point, if it's left untreated or unsupported or unhelped, symptoms can peak in and around like when the child is about four years old. Mm-hmm. So that that's a long time to suffer and then for it to peak at that time. The honest truth is, is that if your symptoms are bad enough and they're affecting you severely enough, it impacts your capacity to to be the parent you want to be because yeah. you're you're trying to just survive on some level and it's it's hard to be in that state and take care of somebody else and be living the life that feels okay to you. So um, these are like some of the many reasons why it's crucial to get help and support. And and that can come in many ways. It can be therapy. It can be support groups. Sometimes medication is really helpful. There are times where, yeah, anyhow, point being is that 
there, there is help out there and people who are experiencing anything. And I, I didn't quite get into all of this, but there are other things that can happen in terms of mental health during this time. That's depression, anxiety, of course, but there's also quite a lot of trauma that can happen, traumatic events, whether in pregnancy or in birth or in postpartum. There, as I mentioned before, my experience with OCD, that popped up real strong for me, unfortunately. And for a much smaller percentage of people, it can get really much more intense, like having a bipolar onset in the postpartum period and also postpartum psychosis, which is about 1% of people will experience that, but it's devastating for their life. And, And these are things that are, as I said before, if you're going to somebody who can support you, then it's catchable and and preventable and supportable and doesn't have to be the big scary thing. If you're informed and you know where your resources are, you feel better. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. So yeah. and that's possible. Exactly. Yeah. And to your point about being the mom that you want to be to your kids, mm-hmm. my other lens that I come from is of course in my actual pediatrics office. And mm-hmm. what I notice a lot is that double checking that comes with like the perinatal OCD, that mm-hmm. irritability that comes mm-hmm. like when you're feeling just off on your game. Oh, yeah. As yeah. a pediatrician, we see that all the time in mm-hmm. parents, especially in that first year of life where it's like yeah. the answers aren't sufficient. Like I got to, I'm going to yeah. keep on asking. I'm going to keep on checking. Oh, I'm sure. doing. And we're so used to that. We're happy to support you. So it's not Mm -hmm. a judgment Mm -hmm. if you're feeling that way, but it might be, and I've been there. So I know, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm of course like the least judgmental of all. However, I think that that might be also a good touch point to look at. You know, if you're noticing and becoming aware of like, gosh, I just can't be still in my own mind about my child's well-being. I'm constantly worried. I'm constantly checking. I'm constantly making Mm -hmm. lists. I'm constantly doing whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, that's another litmus test to see, hey, should I maybe just reach out to somebody? Should I talk to someone and explain what's going on? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like externalized, the irritability or that double checking, that OCD, that anxiety, that depression. It might come in relationship to other people in addition to Mm -hmm. what's happening just in your own mind by yourself. Mm -hmm. So, and we're always there to support you. You know, we work as a team with OBs, Mm -hmm. with the therapists. I am so glad that you are giving people resources. I love postpartum support international as well. And there's free resources there. Like this will cost you nothing to contact them and to be in, in, in contact there. Tell us more about where people can find you and where they can get yes. extra support from you specifically. So that way they can have a starting place on their road, hopefully yeah. to recovery, if some of this is resonating with them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. My practice is called Well Mind Perinatal, and that's the website, wellmindperinatal.com. And I'm also on Instagram at Mom and Mind and on Facebook at Mom and Mind Podcast. So I also have my podcast, Mom and Mind, and we are on, let's see, episode 237. So we have loads and loads. <laughs> and these are, the episodes are sometimes personal stories of people who are sharing their experience with depression, anxiety, well, all of it. We cover the whole gamut of topics. And sometimes it's experts sharing sort of the clinical understanding of what is happening and what it feels like from a clinical perspective to help people understand maybe this is happening to me. Yeah. So that is, and of course, pod- podcast is free. So that is available to anybody to 
to listen to. It's on all podcast platforms. And also on my website, I offer a free mini course for people. It's two skills to help manage anxiety and worry. And then I also offer an online course that's self-paced. It's three hours of as I said, self-paced, you can do it in bite-sized chunks, but it's really built for somebody who is having a challenge in the transition into parenthood. They uh, give a lot of background as to why they might be, some really specific information on symptoms so people can assess for themselves and resources and support. So it's not therapy, it's skills and tools based so that people feel like they can get the support that they need. So all of that is on my website and for anybody anywhere who goes to Postpartum Support International, you can get free resources there as well. I just want to make sure to reiterate that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I know people are going to love this episode and feel so, so seen and validated. Until next time. How many of you feel like taking care of your makeup needs takes away from your time to do what really matters to you? I know I thought that way for such a long time. I literally never did my makeup unless I was recording for a client or out for a big event until I found mommy makeup. After being a professional makeup artist for over 20 plus years, Deborah Rubin Roberts had the privilege to work for and with some of the best brands and talent in the beauty industry. But it was becoming a mom that became the catalyst for Deborah to develop her own makeup line, Mommy Makeup, clean beauty for busy women like you and me. She figured if she needed clean cosmetics that were fast and easy to use and gave makeup artists quality results, surely other women did too. And she was totally right. Mommy Makeup is talc-free, paraben-free, cruelty-free, and non-comedogenic. But most important to me, it's multitasking. You literally just send them your selfie and which products interest you, and they will reply back with shade suggestions. Instead of using 13 different products, you can use just six multitasking power products to save you time, money, and clutter. Mommy Makeup, clean beauty for busy women. That's the only way I'm using makeup ever again. Use code MODERNMOMMYDOC, that's M-O-D-E-R-N-M-O-M-M-Y-D-O-C, for 20% off your first mommy makeup order. Or use the link, mommymakeup.com forward slash doc. That's mommymakeup.com forward slash M-O-D-E-R-N-M-O-M-M-Y-D-O-C. And the promo code will automatically apply. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.